Well, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Uh, love that song, Light the Fire. I know we have all been in this time of kind of sheltering at home and sheltering in place, and, and we just hope that this morning being able to be here with us in this place virtually will help you to light that fire this morning as well and remind us what's truly important. So thank you so much for being with us this morning. We are really excited to be able to still come together as a church family and have our worship service this morning, despite all of the craziness and everything else that's going on in the world. World around us. We are so thankful that we have this technology, that you're with us either on Facebook or on YouTube or on the church app or wherever you're joining us this morning. We are just so thankful that you're here. I've been getting text messages from all over the United States this morning, so I know we have people joining us from multiple states, and we are just so glad that you are with us. I know it's not ideal, and I would love to see your smiling faces here this morning, but hey, the bottom line is we are still able to get together to worship God together this morning and to spend some time in the Word. And that's really what it's all about. Um, the early church had to do the same thing. They had to meet in homes. Uh, they even met in the catacombs and in cemeteries, and they did whatever they had to do to meet. And that's kind of how I'm viewing this, is we're doing whatever it is that we have to do to still get together as a church family. Now, don't worry, it won't be long, hopefully, till we'll all be back in this place together. But in the meantime, we're going to make the absolute most of it. And I love the fact that we are learning new ways to do ministry and new ways to get Jesus out to people that may not be able to make it here to our building. Um, I know throughout the week, our book club met over a program called Zoom. Uh, Michael and I were able to meet with the youth group over Zoom, and it's just been great to find new ways to share Jesus with other people outside of just being here in the building. Because remember, this building is not the church. We are the church, and we're still going to do amazing things during this time. So again, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. It really means a lot to us that you're here. And uh, again, hopefully this won't last forever, but hey, let's make the most of our time here together. So this morning, we're going to start a brand new series called the greatest story ever told. And the cool thing about this series, it's going to be a four-week series, and it's going to lead right into Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday coming up here in a few weeks. So I'm not going to preach about a pandemic, and I'm not going to preach about fear, and I'm not going to preach about all the bad things that could be happening. This morning, we're just going to spend some time focusing on the greatest story, and that's the story of Jesus, because to me, that's what it's all about. So let's forget about all the other things that are going on, and let's just spend a lot of time together in the Word. Um, you're going to see this morning's uh, sermon is going to be very Scripture heavy. So if you haven't already, please grab your Bible, grab your Bible app or your iPad or wherever you like to read the Bible. Get that out, because we're going to spend a lot of time in the Word this morning. So the cool thing about this series is we're going to take it all the way back. And we didn't have a scripture reading this morning, but Michael led us kind of right into the, the line of thought that we're going. We're going to start out here in just a few minutes in the book of Isaiah. So we're going to talk about Isaiah and we're going to talk about prophecy and prophecies fulfilled. Now, I'm really excited about this because this is one of those times in the Bible where you can look at the prophecy from the Old Testament and then all you have to do is flip to the New Testament and you find the fulfillment of that prophecy. So let's talk a little bit about prophets and let's talk a little bit about Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet, obviously. Now, he was what they call a real prophet because he did prophecies that actually came to pass. For example, Isaiah prophesied that, that there would be an exile from Babylonia, and sure enough, it happened. So we know that he truly is not a false prophet, but he is a true prophet of God. Now, Prophets had a really cool job, right? They were kind of the messengers or the mouthpiece of God. 
And they got word directly from him that they were able then to tell to other people. Now, sometimes it was a warning, and sometimes it was judgment, and sometimes it was a story, and sometimes it was foretelling of the cool things that were to come. And that's exactly where we're going to start today. So as we go into this Easter series, and we're going to get to the point of talking about what we truly celebrate as Christians, which is the resurrection, we're going to take it all the way back to the book of Isaiah and look at a really cool story. So if you would, flip with me to Isaiah chapter uh, 52, and we're going to start out in verse 13 here in just a minute. Now, spoiler alert, it's really cool as you read through the Bible that we're way back in the Old Testament in Isaiah, but they're going to tell us exactly what's going to happen towards the end of the book or towards the end of the Bible itself. So it's going to be cool. So let's jump in. So this is called the servant's song, or the story of the suffering servant, depending on where you're seeing it or which translation that you're using. But again, we're going to start out in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13, and we're going to read all the way through the end of this story, which is going to be in chapter 53 and verse 12. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Isaiah writes, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up, highly exalted. Jesus, as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. It says he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Now who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. It says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom the people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. It says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of men, of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities. It says, therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercessions for the transgressors. 
So again, we see that way back in Isaiah, now, now let's give a little context here. We're in the book of Isaiah. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Isaiah, the first part of the book of Isaiah is kind of a book of judgment, where Isaiah is kind of judging the people of Israel and some of the mistakes that they've made. And then you get to chapter 40 in Isaiah, and it kind of changes tune to this tune of hope. And this is where it gets really, really interesting, because remember, Isaiah is a prophet, so he's getting these words from God, and he's going to share this with the people. And he tells this story. Now, this is actually a poem. And it's important that we understand the different types of literature that we find in the Bible. You find epistles, which are letters like what Paul wrote to the early church. You find narratives that are really just kind of, think of it as a short story, so to speak. And then you have poetry. Now, the interesting thing about this is you may read this and say, that doesn't sound like any poem that I've ever read. But what you have to remember is poetry back in the Greek wasn't like we have now. It wasn't rhyming. It was actually very different than that. And and you got to look at this from the standpoint of, of some of the language that was in here is going to be a little bit difficult for us to understand because it talks about, for example, it says that uh, his appearance was appalling. Well, that doesn't mean appalling like you and I think of appalling. It means appalling as in awestruck or as in wonder. So you can't necessarily look at this exactly word for word. You have to look at the story that Isaiah is trying to give us. Now, here's the really funny thing about this scripture is there are some different thoughts about this scripture. Some people will say, well, this is just just a poem. It doesn't mean anything. It wasn't an actual foretelling. It was just a story. There are some that will say, well, this is Isaiah talking about himself, calling himself a suffering servant. But what we know is when we read through this and we look at the characteristics of the suffering servant, he's talking about Jesus. And he's talking about the forecoming of Jesus. Now, here's the cool part. Isaiah was written about 700 years before Jesus was even born. So when you hear these people that say, oh, the Bible is just a fictional book. It's just a book of stories. It's just a collection of things. It's not really the inspired word of God. I challenge them to look at things like, if that were the case, how did 700 years before Jesus was born, somebody foretell of not only Jesus, but his life and his death? It just wouldn't be possible. And this is what I love about the Bible, and we're going to see in just a minute when we talk about the fulfillment of the prophecy, is when people try to say that the Bible is not real or it's not true, we can point to things like the number of prophecies that were fulfilled. There's over 200 prophecies about the coming of Jesus. Over 200. Now, if there were one, could somebody have gotten lucky and got it right? Yes. But over 200. That would be like rolling the dice 200 times and picking the right number every single time. Now, if you could do that, you could be rich in Vegas, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about so many times that they foretold of Jesus coming to earth that there's no way that that was just a happenstance. So we're 700 years before he's born, and Isaiah's already telling us exactly what's going to happen. And it's just so fascinating. So let's look at some of these characteristics. And this is not all of them. We could spend a couple of days going through this passage and picking apart every word and everything else. But but I want to focus on that he says that there's going to be wise. And he says that he's going to be exalted. And it says that he's going to be despised and rejected. And that he's going to be righteous. And that he's going to bear the sins of many. So we know when we read this, because we spent time in the Word, we know that he's talking about Jesus, but yet some people will still argue, no, he's actually talking about the people of Israel, or he's talking about Isaiah. But no, when we talk about bearing the sins of all, we're talking about Jesus. Now, this is to me where the story gets kind of cool, because we've seen this prophecy, right? And again, we're 700 years before 
the birth of Jesus. But we're going to fast forward a little bit, and we are going to skip to the New Testament. So I'll give you just a minute to turn over to Acts chapter 8. So Acts chapter 8. So we've gone from Isaiah, this prophet, 700 years before Jesus' birth, to the New Testament in the book of Acts, which is written by Luke, at approximately, they think, around 70 A.D. So we've gone from 700 years before Jesus' birth to about 70-ish years after Jesus' death. And we see this story. And this is what I love about the Bible. And it's such a fascinating book because you see this, this prophecy back in Isaiah, and we're going to see the answer all the way up in the book of Acts. So turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to pick up in verse 26, and we're going to read through 35. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. It says, This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. Reading the book of Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. It says, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. It says, this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. I absolutely love it. And God just works his story in the way that he wants it to be. Because not only does the angel tell Philip to go to this place, now granted, it's talking about a desert. Keep in mind, it doesn't necessarily mean they were in the middle of a desert like we're thinking about. It just means a deserted road. So he goes down this road and he meets up with the eunuch. Now, keep in mind that this is significant, okay? Not only because of he's reading the book of Isaiah, which is mind-blowing, right? That he just happens to be reading the book of Isaiah. But at this time, the eunuch would not have been someone that they would have preached to or they would have taught to. And that's significant. We have to understand that that's, that's why this encounter is so important for us, is at this time, they would not have been teaching and preaching to a eunuch. So he goes to him on the road, and he basically, hey, what are you doing? And he's reading the book of Isaiah. He's reading the exact passage that we just read that was written 700 years before Christ's birth. And he says, who are we talking about here? Which is the same conversation that's going on to this day when people read the story of the suffering servant is, who are we talking about? And Philip says, we're talking about Jesus. Which makes so much sense because when we go back and we think about the passage that we just read, Isaiah laid out for us the whole story, basically, of Jesus in one little poem. And he talked about the fact that 
On earth, he would be nothing special, meaning physically he, he, he wouldn't be anything special because people weren't going to come to him because of his looks or because of his majesty. He wasn't going to walk around with a crown on his head. And, we, and we're going to read this more about this as we go through our Easter story. But Jesus came as a normal man. He came down as God to walk on the earth. And Isaiah prophesied about this. And Isaiah told people about this. So for 700 years, this story had been passed down. And we know that because the eunuch is reading the words of Isaiah in his chariot. Some 770 plus years later, he's reading the words of Isaiah. So this story has been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And here he is reading his scroll and he's still going, I don't get it. Who are we talking about? And that's when God comes in, right? Because the angel sends Philip to go and tell him who Jesus is. And this is who we're talking about in this story. That's what God does, okay? He sends people to us when we need them the most. He sends people to help us understand who Jesus is was and maybe that's a preacher or maybe that's a teacher or maybe that's mom and dad or whoever it may be he sends people at just the right time and we see this over and over throughout the bible he sends people at just the right time to tell the story of jesus and that's exactly what we're called to do whether you're a preacher or a teacher or an elder or a bible scholar we are led to share jesus with everyone. And that's why it's so important that he chose this story to be a eunuch, someone who wouldn't have been necessarily taught to. Now, the, the, the cool thing about this scripture is Philip goes and meets him on the road. He meets him where he is, right? He didn't just stay and wait for this guy to come to him. He didn't just stand by the side of the road and think, well, hopefully when this guy comes by, he'll stop and I can talk to him about Jesus. No, he went to where the eunuch was. And that's what we have to do, right? We have to go to where the people are that need to hear about Jesus. Now, as most of you know, this is a very common story for, I think, most of us. But, but what follows this is one of my favorite lines in the Bible. And that's when eunuch sa the eunuch says, there's water, what prevents me from being baptized? So he told the eunuch about the good news of Jesus, and then he baptized him. And isn't that really what it's all about? He touched his heart. He helped him understand what he had been reading. He pointed him to Jesus, and then he baptized him. And he brought him into the family of Jesus. And that's exactly what we're called to do. You don't have to have a degree to do it. You don't have to have a title to do it. But as Christians, we are called to meet people where they are, teach them about Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then walk next to them, right, as a church family. And that's exactly what we do. And that's why we're here, right, is to bring people to Jesus. So there are so many important aspects to this story. There's the prophecy in Isaiah. There's the fulfillment in Acts. There's the story of Philip being called to go and lead this man to Jesus and to baptize him. And he did it right there on the spot. And I love 
that story so, so much. So what's our takeaway from that? The suffering servant was Jesus. And God promised us, Jesus, through his mouthpiece, Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus ever came to this earth. So that tells us that God had this plan in place long before, right? Because remember, we're in the Old Testament, right? What's already happened? We've already had Adam and Eve in the garden. What'd they do? Committed sin. Put us, separated us from God. We have the story of the Israelites who keep trying to get closer to God, and then what do they do? They mess up, and God forgives them, and they start over again. So God has promised that he will never subject the earth to another flood, but he knows he's got to do something to bridge that gap between man and him. And he foretells of it long before Jesus ever comes to the earth. So we know that he was working this plan, right? He's working this plan for over 700 years, probably 800 years when it's all said and done, so that we see the fulfillment of the prophecies being taken place in the New Testament. He did send Jesus just like he said he would. Jesus suffered just like he said he would. Jesus died on the cross and his side was pierced just like he said he would. And he died so that we could have everlasting life and so that we could have the remission of sins. And that's what it's all about. So Jesus was a, was a big part of this amazing plan that God had. No matter how far away we are from God, God still wants to find you. Just like he wanted Philip to run into the eunuch on the road while he was reading the scroll. And I just love how that, that whole thing came to being. He could have been reading anything, but he was reading this story from Isaiah that had been foretold so long ago. God wants to find you. God is looking for you and me. And he wants to find us and he wants to have that relationship for us. And he's willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. But what we have to do is exactly what the eunuch did and be open to it and listen to it and take it to heart and then take the steps that we need to take to have that relationship with him. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you for this technology that we have that allows us to still be together as a church family today. And we are so thankful for this amazing story that you've laid out for us that is the Bible. And we're thankful that you saw fit so very long ago to set this plan into motion to where you would send your only beloved son to come to this earth to walk and suffer as a man and to die for our sins. Because Heavenly Father, we know that that was not done because we were deserving in any way, shape, or form, but only because you loved us so much that you are willing to send your son to die on the cross. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that. And we pray that every day we will live a life that will be worthy of that amazing sacrifice that you made on our behalf. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for all that you bless us with. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands for victory, since curse.
his grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine. Bought with the precious blood of Christ, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand well guys thank you so much for joining us online today it's been great to have all of you out there and again even though we couldn't be together physically I'm so thankful that we were able to be together virtually this morning just a couple of quick reminders as we get ready to go our separate ways this morning if you haven't already done so please take a minute to go ahead and do your offering uh, through the church app or through Easy Tithe, because again, even though we're not meeting together, you know we still have to meet the expenses of the church as well. So we want to encourage you to do so again, out of just a cheerful heart, not out of obligation. Also, we want to remind you that the church staff is still here to support you through all of this, even though the building itself is closed. If you have prayer requests, if you have needs, if there's anything we can help you with, if you have want to to uh, want to be baptized or want to place membership, anything like that, we are still here to support you in any way that we can, both myself, the office staff, and the elders as well. And we're happy to do that in any way that we possibly can. So again, we want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. And again, just keep an eye on your emails because there's going to be a lot of changes going on, a lot of things that will be going on in a different way than what we're used to doing. But just like the early church, we're going to continue to meet and we're going to continue to be here for you. We love you and we hope to see you soon. Thanks. From heaven above with wisdom, power, and love, our God is an awesome God.
starless in the void of the night. My God is an awesome God.